Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Uh, again, welcome today. This morning we are um, we're in the middle of a series, or just started a series, called "I Am Jesus in His Own Words." What we're looking at is in the Gospel of John seven statements that Jesus made about Himself. Because I, I have this, this, this thought that as we plant a church, we all have different backgrounds. We have traditions that we've grown up in. We have all kinds of uh, cultural things that float around in our world that we just kind of swim in. And it's so easy for us to get just a little bit off when it comes to understanding Jesus and what does it mean to follow Jesus and what is this thing called Christianity? I used the, the illustration last week of a, of a rifle scope. For those of you that uh, hunt, you know that when you have that rifle and you're getting in and out of your vehicle, right, you're very careful with that scope because if you bump that thing, it doesn't matter how amazing you are with a rifle, as soon as you begin to shoot, you're not going to hit a thing because that scope has gotten a little bit out and there's nothing more recalibrating for us than to look back at our founder, Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're gonna be doing this morning. So John 8 is the, is the portion that we're gonna be focused on today. If you wanna start turning there, we're also gonna have that on the screen. And um, last week we started with the very first I am statement of Jesus where he said, I am the bread of life. We talked about what does it mean to, to eat the bread of life and what's the difference between the bread of, of the world and the bread of Jesus. And if you remember that term life that we talked about was the term Zoe and it meant the life that's really worth living, a, a life of fulfillment, of joy. And so that is what Jesus taught us last week. And this week in John 8, we get to move on to this next passage. And we're gonna start in verse 12. I'm gonna read this and you can read along. It says, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true, but I and the father who sent me, even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. And they're so confused. In their law, it would take two or three witnesses to establish any matter. So a person couldn't just stand up and say, hey, here's who I am and say, no, 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 no. That's, that's not valid. We need another source, another witness. So they're asking him like, where's your other source? You can't just stand up and say these things about yourself. And then they ask, where is your father? Right, and they're thinking like, maybe he's talking about like his earthly father, where's Joseph? Who's gonna tell us 
who you are. He goes on, you know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. These are strong words from Jesus. These are the Jews. These are the people of God, right? The worshipers of, of Yahweh, and they have, they've surrounded this temple area. This is in the middle of a feast, a big feast. It had been a seven-day party, a celebration, eating, dancing, singing. It was the Feast of Booths. And all have come around to the temple and they're there and they, they would set up these, um, these little makeshift booths. And you can find pictures online of like, like old pieces of wood and other things and pieces of metal, like just really, really kind of shoddy construction, right? That they're these, not like tents, but even like more, primi uh, more primitive version of that. To this day, they still do this. And this was to remind them, if you remember the story of the Exodus, Moses, right, let my people go, 10 plagues and all that. Finally, they get through the Red Sea on dry land. The, the waters crush the Egyptian army and they are now living uh, with no government, right? no police force. They are out in a wilderness, millions of people in these makeshift homes. They're nomadic and they're celebrating God's faithfulness. Like when we were in the wilderness, God was with us. And so this festival is taking place, right? And he's having this showdown and there's something in this passage that I didn't even catch until I started to study it this week. And it's, there's a timeliness to this passage that I've never ever seen before I wanna share with you. So in the middle of this festival, they would have uh, what, what was called the illumination of the temple. Okay, this was uh, a 75 foot uh, candelabra. So picture an eight story tall, massive golden candelabra. It had four oil burning lamps and get this, the, the altar boys had to climb up an eight foot story pole and put oil in the lamps every day for seven days that that lamp would be there day and night burning. Now imagine, an eight-story light would have cast light over the entire temple area, probably over most of the city would be able to see that light. They even called that thing the light of the world. So here we have a seven-day feast. They've had this huge, um, this huge candelabra, and it's in the court of women, which is near da, 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 the treasury where Jesus is speaking to these people. This is the day after the feast, and here's what I want you to picture. That massive eight-story candelabra is finally going out. All the oil has been burned up, Right? The, the wicks are finally extinguishing. And right at this moment, Jesus stands up and he says to them, I am the light of the world. Do you get the timeliness of this moment, of this statement, this identifying moment of Jesus? Right as the lights go out, Jesus reveals the light. I am the light of the world. 
Uh, years ago, I uh, used to own and operate a recording studio. That's my background. Uh, I, I, I love music. I, I love recording music. And I got to be a part of, it's a whole long, miraculous story, but I got to be a part of building a, a state-of-the-art recording studio from the ground up that I owned and operated uh, years ago. And in, in and when you're working with recording studios and designing them, there's, there's something crucial is that you want to leave, you want to keep the outside sounds out and the inside sounds in so that when a, a plane, you know, decides to go over your house right in the middle of the golden take, when you have this, you know, amazing artist there and they're, they're singing their heart out and then you hear right in the recording, like that's not good. So you're trying to keep all that noise out. And then you don't want to like disturb your neighbors. I was out on six acres in the country and sound travels out there. And I didn't want my neighbors like shutting us down because, you know, recording sessions go late. So here's how we accomplished that. There were no windows and there was one door. And there was no natural light coming in to that building. And so every now and then at the end of a session at night, I would, you know, I'd turn out all the lights inside this building and then I would remember, oh gosh, I gotta go do that thing. Like I'd have to walk across the room and I was too lazy to turn the lights on. Have you ever done that before? Like you're just too lazy to go back and turn the light on. You're like, I, I can figure it out. And I would try to navigate my way through that dark recording studio with no natural light. The only thing I could see is on like this equipment back here, you'll see there's like little LED lights, like little red and green lights. That's all I could see was these red and green lights. And I would just be kind of feeling my way through that studio. And like, I know, I know there's cables here. I know there's microphones out there somewhere, right? And I'm just trying not to crash and burn as I make my way through this dark recording studio. I was listening to a pastor recently. He was talking about his love for natural food stores. And what he likes about natural food stores is like, I have the most interesting encounters with people. I don't know if you've ever been to, I, there's Whole Foods, which is kind of like a commercialized natural food stores. But if you want to get hardcore, you find like the little one in the shopping center, right? Y'all down somewhere. And that's where you're going to find the hardcore natural foodies, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody know this, right? If you have like, if you're looking for like a weird like ear candle or something random, like that's the place to go. You're going to find it there. And he said, I had the most interesting encounters. And he said, it's always interesting when you talk with people who think they have the light. And that phrase kind of caught my ear. People who think they have the light. You see, there's a lot of lesser lights in our world. The, the, the food, the foodie scene is, is one of those, right? We all have strong opinions about food and, and health and, and how do you attain health and all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. If you think like I think, then you're enlightened. Then you know, right? But if you don't think like I think, then you're kind of a fool, right? You haven't read what I read. You haven't seen the journals that I've seen. Right? We have these lesser lights. We see this in politics, right? There's certain news channels that you can tune into and there's a whole spectrum of, of hardcore right and hardcore left. And, and, and if you think like I think about politics, then guess what? You're in the know. You're enlightened. But if you don't, yeah, you're, uh, you're kind of a fool, right? Someday we hope that you'll be less ignorant to how we know things are, right? That's the, the mindset, the attitude of these lesser lights. We see this also uh, in pseudo-religious um, 
types of things, people that are into certain types of, of magic, right? And they think that's it, man, that's the light. I'm enlightened, I know how to get things done in the spiritual realm, right? Or people that are uh, even an, an evolutionary theory, like if, if you believe that, you're enlightened, you know, you know. We have lots of lesser lights. And here's the tension that I think we need to really uh, uh, kind of dive into is this. What if we think we have the light, but we're really in darkness? What if you think you have the light, but you're really in darkness? See, there's three massive implications in this one verse in verse 12, and that's where we're gonna spend all the rest of our time together. I wanna read this verse to us one more time, and then we're gonna kinda pick it apart together. Eight, verse 12. In the middle right picture, the lamp's going out. This this eight-story candelabra is finally extinguishing, and Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So first of all, what does light mean, right? What is light and dark? What does all that imagery mean? Well, if you were to take a, a scan of the Old Testament all the way through Revelation, you would begin to see themes arriving around light, this imagery that's used from start to finish. Light would be like truth, right? Truth, it's, it's knowledge. It's, it's like revelation, like a light shines into a dark place and you can finally see things. It's, it's revealed truth. The second thing about light is that it would be like purity, right? Uh, Light has this pure quality to it. So think of like moral goodness. Light would be moral goodness. In fact, I could take you, I don't have time right now, but I could take you to passage after passage about walking in the light, live as children light, you know, let your light shine. It's all these about goodness, good works, good things, right? Moral goodness, purity, The third thing is that it would be like blessing. Now, I think this is an easy one for us to connect with because uh, we've all seen The Lion King probably, right? And and when Scar is in control and and the shadows over the land and it's like all the the plants have died and it's it's just blue. It's like this blue, dark hue. And then finally his his reign is toppled, right? And and now Simba has returned to this this role. And now if, if you remember, light begins to just spread across the land. It turns green and the water begins to flow again. All this blessing returns, like flourishing joy. So light would have a picture, even in our films today, of of like blessing, of flourishing, of like a return of joy to the people. So light would be, it would be truth, it would be purity, it would be blessing. And so when Jesus says, I am the light, That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, I am truth. I am knowledge. I am revelation. I am purity. I am am goodness. And I am blessing. Jesus is the light. And then he says, I'm the light of the world. And, And that's important for us because Jesus is Jewish. And he's speaking to Jewish people. And they thought, I mean, this is where it's all gonna go. Jews are finally gonna conquer everything. We're gonna be it, 
right? All the nations will stream just like they've talked about, but they thought of that as a, as a very earthly uh, kingdom at that moment in time. And so Jesus saying, no, 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 look, I am the light of the world echoing the prophets that said, look, he would be a light for the Gentiles, a light for the nations. Jesus is an everyone light. He has light for every person, no matter where they come from, no matter what they've done, no matter what their skin color is. He is a light for the entire world. And when we fast forward to the end in the book of Revelation, there's this great white throne and a multitude is is there in front of the throne from every tribe, nation, and tongue. He's a light to the world. Here's the thing that trips us up as 21st century Western thinking Americans. When you say the light of the world, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Am I right? Anybody says anything about this is the best deal you're ever going to find, we're like, don't believe that, not for a second. Then for the answer, for you, this is the uh, uh, miracle thing for you, where all of us are like, no, 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 there's no way. There's got to be something better or something equal. And this is the word that I think probably brings the most angst to us in our day and age. Because we live in a day and age of pluralism. I'll take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of legalism and a little bit of, of Hinduism over here. And I like a little bit of magic sprinkled on top. And that's how I like my faith. We live in a pluralistic day. And so when anybody says the, mm, no, 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 this works for me, but whatever works for you is great. This is a way up the proverbial mountain, but whatever gets you up the mountain, as long as you love people and you don't kill anyone, that's cool with us. But that's not what Jesus says here. Here's my first point for us, is that Jesus draws a line. Jesus drew a line for us when he said the word the. Like that word there is a line drawing word which says, no, no, this is it only. This is the only way. I am the light of the world. And here's the thing about lines. Lines are good. When you and I get on the road together and there are lines on that road, And then I know like if I stay between these lines and you stay between those lines, we're not gonna kill each other. That's a good thing. Am I right? Can I get an amen? Have you, thank you. One in the back. God bless you, sir. Lines are good. You see, when when I told my wife, I vow to commit myself to you and you only, I drew a line. What I said is that this option is no longer, this option is no longer. If I had a menu, I'm just taking everything off that menu, and here's my menu, it's you. You're the only thing on the menu for me anymore. I drew a line. When she vowed herself to me, she said, I commit myself to you and to you only. And what we did is we drew lines. And that line, within that line, there is joy. There is security. Right? There is a sense of oneness inside those lines. Lines are really, really good. And Jesus drew some lines for us. 
But here's the cool thing about what Jesus did next, is that even though he drew a line, he extended the invitation. If you're taking points, it's the second thing, is the invitation has been extended. Let's move on to the second huge implication of this one verse. He said, I'm the light of the world, anyone. Anyone? Anyone. Wait, 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 wait. What about the guy who killed someone? Anyone. What about the genocidal maniac? Anyone. What about the person that sexually abused me as a child? Anyone. One condition. Who follows me? Anyone who follows me invitation is extended and it's an invitation to anyone and, and this word follow if you remember Jesus when he called those those 12 young men he said come follow me and, and here's what that looked like they actually followed him a picture like a, a train engine backs up to you and you're a train car and you have the option of latching onto that train engine and wherever that thing goes, you're gonna go with it because you're hooked in, you're, you're, you're connected. And that's what this picture is. It's, it's a following where, where God's gonna back up here and we're gonna decide, am I going to follow, am I gonna, I'm gonna hitch myself to you or not? And he says, anyone who follows, it's an anyone kind of invitation. There's a, a lyric uh, of a guy, he's a grandfather of worship leaders, his name is Kevin Prosh, and he said this, I love the, the imagery of this. He said, like horses that are yoked to the chariots of kings, hitch me up to your heart, God, never to be free. This picture of literally hooking ourselves into God in a way that says, wherever you go, Jesus, I'm there. I follow you. Jesus drew a line, but then he extends an invitation. And see, here's the thing. We, we don't like lines that are exclusive, do we? I mean, even in our town, we have a, we have a history here of racism. And that's a line, that's a line that says, look, if your skin is this color, then you go here, and if your skin is that color, you go there. And that's a line that all of us absolutely wanna dismantle, we wanna get rid of that, because we know that is not godly. That's not a godly line. And Jesus doesn't give any kind of exclusion except for this. Here's the only exclusion. You gotta follow me. You gotta follow me. Anyone who follows me, he says, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Guess what word for life he's using here? Zoe. We talked about bios, physical world, biology. He uses the word Zoe, meaning the light of the soul, the, the life of fulfillment, the life worth living, the life of deep, deep joy. You will never, never, wait, you used another very exclusive word. You, you will never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. And here's what I wanna say to you. If you think that um, that statement means that you're never going to have a hard time, 
you're going to be really disappointed. If you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, you know the reality of that statement I just made. You may walk through dark times, but you will never walk in darkness. You will go through hard stuff. Jesus is going to call you to do things that are absolutely right and good, but it's gonna kill you on the inside. It's gonna stretch you, it's gonna pull you apart, it's gonna make you see things in yourself that you absolutely despise. It's gonna be really, really hard. He's gonna push you to the limit at times, but guess what? In the middle of dark times, you are not in darkness, and there's a huge difference between going through dark times and living in darkness. He makes a promise to you He drew the line, he extends the invitation, but he makes a very, very, very amazing promise to you that you will never walk in darkness. What that means is the light of life, this light of Zoe, this truth that reveals, this truth that is shining into the darkness of our lives is for us. And if if, if you can picture me feeling my way through that studio and, and trying to like, you know, find the rug edge and, and, the, and, the, and the wall and the door. And, and if you were to turn that light on, I'm like, oh, that's, there's a wall there. That's a dead end. And the door's over here. And oh, that's dangerous right there. Like, I begin to see things in my life. And that's what God wants to give you is that you begin to see things in your life and you know where the dead end is. And you know where the danger is. And you begin to see through truth, through this lens of, of truth, that now this is, this is how I navigate my life. I can see. He also wants to give us this purity. He wants to give us purity, guys. Like to walk as children of light, not in the sense of like let's earn God's forgiveness or let's earn his favor, but a sense of like there's light on the inside of me and it's changing how I live. This purity, it's goodness begins to flow out of us through Jesus and then this this light of blessing and and here's how I picture that blessing it is deep deep joy this this inside flourishing part of you like in the midst of the hardest darkest thing you can still flourish on the inside because you never ever walk in darkness but you have the light of life. Psalm 119, 105, probably a verse that you memorized or heard or could quote. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. God wants to give you light. So maybe you're like me. Maybe you're a like me trying to navigate through that dark studio and just trying to feel your way. Maybe you've got lesser lights. You've got these things, these tribes, these subcultures and and things that you have deep, deep opinions about. But if you're really honest, the things that are these lesser lights really don't have the power to illuminate your life. I I think a, a picture going outside at night and you see all the billions of stars. It's a beautiful sight, right? But picture this. If the, if the light of the sun were to go out, those little stars could not warm our planet. 
They couldn't light up the earth. They, they would be insufficient for life, for us. Our planet would go dark. We would all perish because we are absolutely dependent on that sun. Those lesser lights in our lives will not illuminate us. They just don't have the power. There's only one thing that can light up your life, and that is Jesus This morning, God wants to turn the light on inside of you. He doesn't want you to walk in darkness. Anyone who follows me, he calls us to follow. Anyone that wants, doesn't matter how bad you think you are, how far you think you've fallen, if you've done that one thing just one too many times and now it's over, the grace card is maxed out and it's done. He says, no, 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 no. Anyone, anyone who follows me, and if you're a believer in this room, I want you to hear this today. You might walk through dark times, but you will never walk in darkness. I want to close with one last passage. It's in John 3, just a few pages over. If you want to turn there, you can. John 3, verse 18. It's right after the most famous passage of Scripture, the, the passage that we're going to see strewn across the wall of the Super Bowl tonight, you'll probably see John 3.16 written on a banner somewhere, right? Well, here's that passage right after John 3.16. He says this in verse 18. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Talking about Jesus. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. If you've been living in darkness, I wanna, I wanna challenge you to not love that darkness, but that you would learn to love the light of Jesus, let me pray for us this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.